everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to PSL Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando and we're on episode 322. Have you noticed every time I say welcome, like you always chuckle? Wait, I'm chuckling because you throw me off. Like I wasn't expecting for you to get started because usually we have like this awkward pause and sometimes it goes for like a minute and then he starts. But this one, I'm kind of just I'm looking at the notes and I don't know where you start. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess yeah. we're starting now. Get rolling, man. I, I know. Gotta, I know. This. So this one's a interesting episode I, and I, I don't know where this is going to go. Sometimes those are the better episodes. This Q4, and we're going to do like a mini Q4 update in a week, and then we're going to do, you know, more of a Q4 update. But in the last six months, we had a whole episode about how recently has changed. And Mike and I have been talking about this, and I I was thinking about this the other day, about how more than ever, it's time to be more selective on what you do in reselling. Mm -hmm. And, And to give context, you know, back in 2015, 2016, when I was getting serious about reselling, it was, I would say, really easy in the sense that you pretty much could source almost anything and it was going to sell. Didn't mean it was going to sell in a month. Didn't mean it was going to sell maybe even a year, but you could source pretty much anything and make profit. You also could get away with you know sourcing a bunch of stuff and you might have one high-priced item and you're still going to be in the profit. It kind of reminds me of uh, your old boy, Gary V. One of the things he said a while back that I, back when you were still listening to him and we were kind of talking about him some on the podcast, you know, in the early days, yeah, trash talk days and stuff. The, one of the things that he said that was interesting was like, if you're making money now, like that's not a flex. Like when the economy is doing really good, Mm. I kind of like look at like the people who do the, you know, stock market or, you oh, know, I thought I knew what I was doing. If I mean, <laughs> back in those days, when you're on like that kind of a, kind of a bull run. And I feel like when the economy is going good, like everything's kind of in this bull run where everything's just going up. Things like people have money that if you're making money, then like, that's not a hard flex. Like that's just like, yeah, it's not that hard to make money right now. Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. as hustlers, we want to do that. You want to take advantage of that time, but you really start to show who the people are that know what they're talking about when times get hard. And they're still able to make money and they're still able to do well. And one of the nice things about reselling, we've talked about this probably ad nauseum at this point, but is that reselling changes with the economy, but it's always a viable option. It's, yeah, it's still always consistent. something that can do well. Yeah. No. It just, it takes adaption. It takes doing your own research. It takes, takes hustle. It's still, I mean, that's why our podcast is pure hustle podcast. Cause it does take that hustle. It takes that grind. And one of the things that, I think right now, a lot of people are more aware of this than ever. And it's been the talk. I've mentioned this before, how sell through rate is very important and how that's kind of like the buzzword right now. Right. Sell through rate. Right. I I post anything on Instagram and somebody will say, well, what was the sell through rate on that? And sometimes I haven't answered. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I just I picked it up a couple of years ago and comps were good when I picked it up. And I'm just glad it sold for great profit. So there's a lot more to sourcing though than sell through rate. And so the first thing I thought we should talk about is uh, we you need to be including myself. So wh- whenever we're sharing this, I want to make sure we're not gurus. We're just documenting what we've been experiencing lately. 
It's not that we have all the answers. It's not like, hey, you follow our advice, you're going to be golden. 10 easy steps to become a millionaire in reselling. Yeah, know? and I'm seeing, it's interesting because even now, even now I'm seeing people speaking as if they're authorities. Mm. And I'm like, you, you don't you don't know. I've been reselling longer than you have. And I, I've, I've made it viable. And you're speaking on authority. I'm telling you, I don't know. Now, th- that there's that, there was it, the Denny Kruger effect? Yeah, the Denny Kruger effect where... I, I think I'm on the bottom. <laughs> like, Well, I'm on the bottom. and uh, Not on the bottom. I'm, I, I was at the bottom. Now I'm on the way up. Yeah. So if you don't know what that means, basically it's when you, when you first start something, you don't know anything about it. You kind of rate yourself as like, I don't know anything about this thing. Then as you get a little bit of knowledge, you're like an amateur, you've got like a year experience or so you think, you know, everything. And then the the longer you're into something like a field of study, uh, whether it's a science or, you know, knowledge on something or just experience woodworking, plumbing, whatever it is, the longer you're in it, the more you realize, you know what, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, there's tons of things I don't know. And you start your, your perceived knowledge of the subject actually goes down. So with experience, um, if you're being honest, it's like, yeah, I know a lot of things, but there's so much that I don't know. And so yeah, it's, it's one of the ways we want to come across when we, we say this is we don't know exactly everything, but but we think that this is pretty good advice. And, and one of the things that we were talking about is what you should be sourcing. Mm-hmm. And th- I think that goes without saying in some ways, but like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast in our opening is that you could at one point pretty much pick up anything. And I think there's still going to be markets and and niches where, you know, there's hobbies that aren't going away. Like people are going to be into RC cars and RC airplanes. People are going to be into collecting Hot Wheels and collecting certain sports cards. But a lot of the the price fluctuations in those happen, happen to coincide with how well the economy is doing. When the economy is doing really well and people have more expendable income, they're going to be using that money for hobbies and fun things. And if they're not like a diehard, because, you know, there's people who are they're into something. It's like you ask them like, Hey, like what are your hobbies? And there's like a handful of things they're into. And then there's the person like it's their identity. It's Mm -hmm. this one thing, RC cars, I eat, breathe and sleep RC cars or whatever the thing is that they're into. Those people are going to spend money on that hobby pretty much no matter what it takes. So those, those niches are still going to be profitable if you know what you're doing, but the level of of profit and how easy it is, if you're, if, if the economy is doing really well, and people are getting into, and I'm just going to keep saying RC car because I already said that one. Um, people are into RC cars. You're going to be able to sell things at the low end, the middle end, and the high end collectible stuff, the really hard to get stuff. And you're going to be doing really well on all of that. As the economy tightens, you're probably only going to be able to sell like the high end collectible stuff to the people who still are into that thing. And all of the stuff kind of in the middle and at the bottom is, is not going to be moving the way it was because there's going to be a flood of the market. People who got into that hobby or got into that thing or collected whatever times are hard. They're willing to part with that stuff. And the hardcore collectors, they don't want those things. Those are like the the low end stuff. So the market gets flooded. People are trying to make a little bit of money. So people start offloading stuff or people just don't have the money to buy it. And so that kind of combination kicks in. So if you're into something, you kind of know, hey, I was able to pretty much sell anything, like anything RC related I could sell. Now it has to be, I have to know what I'm doing. I have to be picking up the right stuff that people are buying because the average everyday person who's just like a, like a amateur hobbyist is not going to be buying like they were four years ago. Yeah. Agreed. And I wanted to just bring it to the practical level real Wait, quick. You don't think that was practical? No, that was practical. That was super practical. But in, in the like, no, <laughs> I wasn't trying to come across that way. I, I was just, I had examples in my head that made, that made sense because new sellers probably are wondering what is sell through rate. Right. And so just real quick, 
sell-through rate is basically the amount that's on eBay. So let's say there's a thousand items. Okay. And out of those thousand items, let's say a hundred of them are selling consistently in the 90 days. So, right. So that's like a 10% sell-through rate. Yep. Okay. All right. So generally that's, that's probably not a great item, right? It's not terrible. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's 10,000 and it's a, 1% sell-through rate. You, you know? can still be competitive in that kind of sell-through rate if you're the cheapest price and fastest shipping. Or you have that things. one rare thing in, in that category. Right. You know, but, you know, sell-through rate is important. And I and so you always should be looking at sell-through rate, especially when it's a very flooded field. So, for example, clothing. Right? Clothing is is very flooded. Uh, Mike and I used to sell a lot of clothing. Are you selling that much clothing anymore? Yeah, and not so much just because it sits so long and it's so much longer for me to to picture and all of that as opposed to certain hard goods that I can sell a little bit quicker okay. and picture quicker. So I'm definitely not doing as much clothing as I used to or even like things like uh, like used shoes. Again, certain certain categories, some work shoes, work boots, things like that are still doing really well um, when it's the right season. We're coming into the beginning of the year. Things like running shoes can start to do well again, but just like the typical like collector shoes that tends to drop because the market gets so flooded and it's harder to do well there. So th that's one example for me. So I, back in the day, I would pick up pretty much almost all Hawaiian shirts right now. I wouldn't pick up, let's say natural issue or cook street, like the low end ones that are easy, but you I would get pick, the Walmart ones. Yeah. The Walmart, but I would pick up, you know, Kahala and all the, and Hilo Hattie and, or Hilo Hattie, whatever way people say it and rain spooner and so on. Now I pretty much only will pick up rain spooner. Right. Unless there's a pattern that I know will sell. And the reason I do that is, like you said, the, the bottom of the market is so flooded. There's so many of these, you know, low hanging fruit that people can source at any time. And so it's not worth it to me, especially in this economy, because, yes, the people that want rain spooners and have the money to buy, you know, the I just sold a hundred twenty five dollar rain spooner shirt. Right. That person, it, it doesn't matter what the economy that they're going to be good. They, they found the shirt that they wanted and they're going to pay for it. I would have been able to maybe sell that shirt for probably closer to $200 a couple of years ago, but still it's going to sell on the high end. Now, I, the other thing I also want people to notice is not only is, is the sell-through rate important, but now that eBay is very much getting into branding, we talked about branding last time, and I really do believe the algorithm is pushing people that sell like certain niches. So what I mean, if, for example, if you are primarily a shoe seller and you have a top rated seller rating and you have great feedback and you're, you're always selling shoes, I do believe. And again, this is, I don't think this is speculation. I think this is more of an educated uh, guess <laughs> or theory. My guess is that eBay is going to push that person's store more than they're going to push the person that has like, all kinds of random things that they find, which I, I'm more, I'm not going to niche down to just shoes, but I'm even in my sourcing now, I'm very much vintage toys, uh, vintage clothing, uh, and, and shoes. That's pretty much all I'm picking up. Right. I used to before, like somebody was selling like an air conditioning unit, you know, that I could sell for 200 and I could buy for $10. I would pick it up. Nowadays I'll think about it because I, you know, I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily benefiting your store because if the branding is happening and eBay is more pushing you in that direction, you, you got to be careful. And what happens too with that branding is now you're creating repeat buyers, 
right? You have people now following your store. You have people that now are waiting for the next time you have, I don't know if you sell like me, railroad trains, right? If you sell model trains, they're waiting for the next batch that comes in. Or if you sell, let's say department 56, they're waiting for the next batch. And that's what I have. Whenever I have a new department 56 haul, a new vintage clothing haul, a new whatever it is, usually I get the same buyers that are contacting me and like, Hey, do you have any other items? Can we bundle? Can we make a deal? So definitely be careful. I think in the beginning, it's fine to, you know, source pretty much anything that's profitable, but over time, especially right now, as usually it's, you know, the top end of the market that's doing real well, meaning the harder to find items, the, the items that are highly desired, you want to make sure that you're staying within certain niches. Yeah, that's good. Uh, another thing that's important to consider when it comes to being selective now is where you're sourcing. And we've seen a huge shift in this. And, and part of it is going to be location dependent. Uh, but where we are at, the thrift stores have been pretty brutal. I mean, unless you're going to a small, there are a couple of small mom and pop um, brick and mortar stores that that you can do pretty good in because they don't have the crazy Goodwill store that should not be named prices. Uh, they have more appropriate prices. They're getting donations and they understand that and they, they're they trying to move things and you can find some more. They're not selling things on eBay in the same way. So you can tend to find. I've heard a lot of our listeners who are in more rural areas who that's one of their benefits is that they, they've got thrift stores that the pricing is much better. So even with that, though, the thrift store pricing, even of a brick and mortar place, it's a, a hole in the wall is not going to fluctuate as much as something like garage sales and offer up and eBay. So when people are trying to make ends meet and they're trying to sell and offload things, you're more likely to be able to pick up better deals from an individual. It's just like when you go to buy a used car, you're much better off buying if you can a used car from the seller directly than from a than from a lot, mm-hmm. right? Because the lot is got a lot more at stake. They got a lot more overhead. They're trying to, they're adding on extra fees. They probably got bought that car for several thousand dollars less than they're going to be selling it to you for. And you're, you're better off if you can to go directly from the seller, seller owned. And the same thing is true, I think, for a lot of the sourcing that we're, we're doing is if you can source directly from people, whether that's uh, contacts that you have made over time, handing out your business card. You've, like you said, if you're niched down in something, people know if they have department 56, reach out to you, or if they've got Lego, reach out to you. If you're niched down in something and you've made those contacts, or if you're scouring offer up, or if you've got those eBay searches saved, those are the places you're going to make probably the best deals. And again, you got to be sourcing where you know the stuff is good. So uh, if you've got those contacts, you're going to the ones that are the highest priority as opposed to wasting times with the contacts who, you know, maybe you used to be able to score middle of the road stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't totally burn that that bridge, but also don't if they hey, I've got a bunch of things you want to come look at it. If you've got other sourcing opportunities, put that one on hold. Hey, sorry, now it's not a good time for me. You know, maybe reach out to me in the next month or two. Um, go ahead and try and find somebody else if you know that they always have the middle of the road or low end stuff. So you just got to be more selective with where you're spending your time sourcing because especially now, time it, it might take you longer to source the profitable items than it used to. So you have to be even more cautious with your time and not waste it going to the thrift stores or going to the those contacts that you have that are not going to be as profitable. And it's it's a tough thing to do. You you have to have set up those things in advance, kind of know where you can get those sourcings done. And if you're new, that it, it doesn't help you out a lot in that sense, but you it might help you to realize, hey, I'm better off only sourcing at garage sales and offer up for now and 
avoiding thrift stores. And if I've got extra time, list those death piles I have, as opposed to just going and hoping that maybe the 10th hour I spend at a thrift store is going to be profitable. Yeah. Oh no. And, and you know, with the price of gas and all that good stuff, definitely. I, I think that for me, the days of going from thrift store to thrift store ended like two years ago. I mean, at least in our area, at least, at least in our area. Now, the other thing, and, and we warned about this, I think this was, this was the last episode about uh, bigger wholesalers or bigger sellers that are selling to their own followers or to their own community. And I, I'm going to lump everything together. So, for example, a couple of years ago, I used to go to uh, this rag house in L.A. and I, I used to buy a bunch of vintage clothing all the time and I'd go in and I'd spend, you know, a thousand dollars pretty much every time I went up there. And then what I, what I noticed over time was that the quality of the items I was buying was less. <laughs> the prices of the items were more. And it, it just, it, it, I didn't realize until I got back. Right. So I'm trying to pick up as much as I can. You know, I'm on this time crunch and I could have spent, you know, eight hours there and sourcing, but you know, I got to drive back from LA and sometimes, like you said, it's going to take more time now to source. I think, I think that, Right now, I, I would just be careful. I would just be careful. In this kind of economy, everybody's trying to find a way to increase their profit, right? And so right now, the way I'm seeing that pretty much the big YouTubers or the big wholesalers, they're looking at less margin and higher volume. And so they're willing to offload you know, everything at you know really, really bottom prices, but that's because they know that they themselves couldn't sell it at a good price, right? So they'd rather make that quick money, roll that money over into other inventory and they just keep recycling that over and over and over again. So I, I'd be careful because, you know, even now we I've had people uh, reach out to me and say, hey, I, I purchased this from this and this is all anecdotal, obviously. And and they're they're like, oh, I tried one of those vintage wholesale companies and I got to tell you, like it, back in the day, it used to be, you know, 90 percent of the stuff is good. And now it's about like 60. It's about 50 percent and things are sitting longer. So you definitely need to be careful. Now, this next one, I really want to push all of you. The deals you make have to be more selective. And one key thing I will say, you have to be willing to make obnoxious deals. You have to be willing to lowball. I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat it. You have you're going to have to get really uncomfortable because you don't know what's up ahead. Right. So, you know, like you said, <laughs> you know, when things were going really well, you could pay up for stuff. Right. You could pay fifty dollars for a Harley Davidson jacket. And, you know, within a month, you'd sell it for like two hundred. I think those days are not going to be around for a little bit. Right. So. Paying $50, having that $50 tied up, and maybe you'll get $125 in six months. That's kind of rough. But if you can make that deal and get that jacket for $15, bucks, 20 bucks, even cheaper, that's okay because your money isn't being tied up. And at the same time, you're not, you're basically not, you know, <laughs> cutting your cash flow, right? That's what you want to do. You want to make sure that you always have capital move. And so right now, people are looking to sell. And you're looking to buy. And I think it's going to become more of a buyer's market, probably as we enter the new year, even if we get into, I can't wait till the garage so months of March through April, March through May, because I think it's going to be crazy. So any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's good. If you haven't listened to our Never Split the Difference episodes, just type in on YouTube. It's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, or you can check, find them on, on our podcast. But if you just type in Pierce Podcast, 
never split the difference. Uh, there was a lot of interesting tips that we got from there about negotiating. And I do think now is probably the time. Like you can't be afraid. You don't want to be rude to people, especially. Yeah, I'm not saying be rude. Yeah, you never want to be rude to people face to face. If somebody's trying to sell something and you're just, you know, just insulting them. But it, there's nothing wrong with doing the and, and it sounded really awkward when we first learned it from never split the difference. But the, how do you expect me to do that? And when you give that answer, when they say like, I'm selling this item for a hundred. And if you're willing to be upfront and say, I'm a reseller, you can, you can be upfront and you can say, Hey, I appreciate, I think that's a good price for those items. I understand that that's what you're hoping to get for it. Uh, unfortunately, um, I'm not going to be able to do that. I, I can't buy it at that price and, and actually turn a profit. It's just hard market right now. Um, I could do it instead of a hundred. I, I could do 50. That would be profitable for me. Does that work for you? If they say no, 100, and you'd be like, look, I, how, how can I do that? I can't do that and be profitable. I'm not trying to be, offend you. And you'd be surprised. Uh, a lot of times you're going to get people who are understanding of that. And they're, yeah, times are hard. Um, I need some money now too. You're probably right. I'm not going to probably be able to get 100. And if I do, it's going to take a long time. Sure, $50, it's fine. And if they say no, nobody's offended. You're not telling them, what? You want 100 or you're crazy. You're just, you're being upfront and saying, I, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, it's not going to be profitable for me. I've used those lines quite a bit, especially on things like offer up and I respond to people when they, cause they, people will get defensive. I think this is a good deal for this stuff. You're right. That's a great deal for those things. Um, I, you may be able to get that for it. Um, but that's probably pretty close to what I'd be able to get for it. I'm a reseller and it's going to take me some time. It's going to sit, I've got to ship it, all of those things. So, um, go ahead. If, if you can, if you can find a buyer for it, great. Good for you. I hope you can. Um, if not, then let me know, reach out to me. Here's the, the amount I can do. And sometimes a couple of weeks go by and the person responds back and they say, okay, I'll do 50 and boom, you've got it. And, and then at that point, it's worth it for you. So don't be afraid to do that. If you are uncomfortable with negotiating, it can be helpful to do it for a while via online, just because it's less like pressure of like, well, I have to tell this person to their face and offer less, but eventually you get used like to doing a true it. Millennial. It's true. I mean, it's easier <laughs> through text for those things, but don't be afraid to get the nose. And this is that time where you got to be selective. And if you if you're looking for whatever that item is, if you're looking for that Hawaiian shirt, you're looking for that RC car, you're looking for that bundle of whatever it is that you're looking for shoes. Don't be afraid to offer the low amount, not offensively, but just this is what I can do. Reach out to me. And if if you're it's like you're throwing the fishing hooks out there, but not just one line. You're putting 10, 20, 30, 100 lines out there. And you're going to get a couple of bites. A few people are going to say, okay, I can do that. And if you are unwilling to do that and you just always jump to their price every time, you might be able to buy all hundred items instead of the five you get by offering lower, but you're going to end up spending a ton of money. It may end up sitting and it's just not going to be worth it for you. So don't be afraid to, to be a little awkward. It's going to feel awkward at first, but it's really not. I mean, I, we know the difference when we get offended when somebody lowballs you on eBay, when it's like, this is offensive versus the, Hey, this is what I can do. Let me know. And if they say no, all right, cool. Good luck. And then that's it. And it's, it's not, you're not insulting them. You're not saying your pricing is stupid. That's way too high for that. It might be, but you know, you don't have to say that. And right now the easiest line, the easiest line is right now with the way the market is and the economy, there's no guarantees. And so I'm taking on a lot of risk and this is why I'm offering the price I'm offering. And I would say for me, that's worth probably like 80 to 90% of the time. Wow. it's good. Right. And, and it's interesting you say that. I had somebody send me a, a message that he super lowballed me on an item, but I was ready to sell. And they said, hey, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to negotiate a price with you. And I'm like, I'll take the offer. 
Oh. Right. So, so be willing, be willing to get uncomfortable and just, and again, you don't give the first number. You don't give the first number. Just remember, you never give the first number, but after they give a number, let's say they give you, you know, it's, they, they say I could do a hundred and, and hopefully in your mind, you already know what you're willing to pay to make good profit. And if your number is 40 or $50, say, I was thinking more like $40. Yeah. And and I know you, you're probably listening to this going, that's crazy. But I'm telling you, it's not. It, it does happen. People realize, remember, they're also trying to negotiate as, as much as they can out of you. So it's a two-way street. All right. Hey, a, a place you don't have to negotiate, but you do, great, you do get a great deal is American Bubble Boy. Yeah. So you haven't been checking out American Bubble Boy. You haven't ordered bubble wrap. You definitely should. Uh, definitely a great deal. Uh, their price hasn't changed, I think, since the beginning. That's good. Right? $39.99. You that get, means it's cheaper now than it was. That is true. Ago. Well, don't say that too loud because <laughs> they might raise their prices. But uh, you're still getting, you know, I, I get the four foot roll, 750 square feet for $39.99. Especially right now, amongst this Q4 time, sometimes you're giving out deals. You get those bubble bucks too that you can kind of roll on and eventually you get a coupon. So check out AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Use our link below. Uh, helps us out and helps you out. And you get free two-day shipping, next-day shipping, or local pickup. And there's also some other items there that will help you in your, your shipping journey. So check out AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Yeah. All right. Now with shipping, I got to tell you, this has been a lesson for me in the last two months is being selective on what I'm willing to ship. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, you kind of got to be selective in the first place about what you're sourcing, about what you're going to ship. But Correct. shipping has to be one of Correct. the... Correct. Okay. okay. So. Yeah. Shipping has to be one of the factors you're taking into consideration when you're sourcing, uh, especially because there's shipping prices have gone up. Time, as we talked about, is is more of a, a valuable commodity right now. If you're spending more time sourcing and things are sitting a little bit longer and you're having to do other things, you don't want to be spending the time shipping things that are, are you're frankenboxing every box prices have gone up you, you definitely have to be a little bit more careful with with what you're sourcing and, and what kind of things you're willing to ship and 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 again yeah it goes hand in hand but be selective understand your limits understand what you're willing to do because i i think the days and i should have mentioned this in the sourcing part but in the recently community, we all joke about death piles. I joke about death piles. I have a death room, okay? And, and what that means is I have a lot of items unlisted, okay? That's all that The means. FBI is listening yeah, now. I know, I know. But I got to tell you, in this economy and where things are headed, I, you don't want that anymore. Yeah. So you, even as you're going through priority of your death piles, list those things that are... Don't just consider the time it's going to take to list the item. That is a factor. But uh, the difficulty of shipping... And and the the price you're going to be able to get for a total your net profit and sell through it. Like if you're considering all those things, the factoring of of the shipping costs and shipping size and all of that is going to play a bigger role today than it might have in the past. Yeah, and remember, Frankenbox is a time killer. Is a time killer, and the larger the item, the worse it is. Uh, is a lot of people. I, I got to tell you, I you know I, I've been scrolling through TikTok and you know people sell big items, and there's only so many resellers i know that are pretty efficient at it i'm not i'm pretty efficient but it depends on what the item is but you know you just got to be careful so for example the other day uh when i was at my uh at, at somebody's house uh, for dinner uh they had like one of those uh, red bull fridges you know like mm -hmm. those tubes mm -hmm. 
And I remember I was at a garage sale early in the year and I, the guy wanted like a hundred and I got him down to like 75, but I wanted 50. And the reason being is I knew the time it was going to take me to pack that thing. Right. Because especially since it's anything that's refrigerated, like you can't like tip it. It has to be, you know, one way you can't, you know, you ever bought a refrigerator, right? It has to be standing straight the entire time. And so I looked at that thing and I thought, there's just no way there's, there's no way I want to deal with a headache of this. Cause I would have to use the big bubble wrap. And then after the big bubble wrap, I might have to find some styrofoam or pool noodles. And after that, I have to, you know, probably maybe do a float, float the box, or maybe I'd have to put in some kind of special box. And then I have to buy the special tape that has like that fiberglass in it. It's a heavier tape for shipping and that's going to take time. And so, you know, right now with, with everything going on, like your time is so, so precious, especially in the fact that, you know, <laughs> as the days go on now, if things are good and you're listening to this episode and it's middle of 2023 and inflation is down to 2% and the economy is booming and we're back in a bull run, then, hey, maybe it might not matter. But I got to tell you right now, it's definitely going to matter. Now, when I, when I say I, I, had, I put in the notes how you ship. So you need to be really selective in in the fact that you have to beforehand know what you're going to do, right? You can't miscalculate your shipping. Uh, you have to definitely, if you're new, understand the difference uh, between priority, understand the difference between ground, parcel, all those different things. And what I'm finding now is that a lot of people, whenever I mention, hey, you should check out the deals on FedEx. People are like, oh man, I've been just shipping UPS the entire time. And like FedEx right now, if you do second day shipping in some places, it's like an 80% discount. Mm. And so you're, you may be leaving a lot of money on the table by going like, oh, I'm just using flat rate boxes, which I used to do that. That was my, <laughs> I that was, to, yeah, you remember? did that all the time. Um, it, it, yeah, that's, that's good. Like knowing the different carriers, understanding what things like when you should go through pirate ship, when you should go through the eBay discount, when you should be using UPS or FedEx, um, or even what types of USPS boxes or services to use and experience is going to help you a long way with that. Um, even, even when you sell an item, sometimes, uh, when you go to ship it, there's, you, you see a cheaper option and, um, not that. I'm recommending everybody do this, but there are times where it's like, oh, they selected USPS, but UPS is cheaper. I'm shipping it but through UPS. Here's the deal. You can. Have you looked at the like the dates? The only well, you can because the dates. The only time it ends up being an issue, and I've never had this as an issue, uh, but you could end up running into the issue where, for instance, it's going to a military base or it's going somewhere where UPS doesn't actually deliver, or if it's going to a, a, a PO box. Right, it's going to have to go USPS. Can't yeah. go through something else. So you've got to be careful. There's there could come an instance where it's like, hey, I bought this because it said it was going USPS, and it ended up going UPS, and UPS always loses or they can't deliver into my area because of whatever reason. So you could potentially run into an issue. Um, hopefully not, uh, but that is an option too. And then even even the the things you're using for shipping um, over time, I shifted from being a dumpster diver for boxes and shipping supplies to just buying all my boxes ahead of time because it was a time saver to we may be moving into a time especially if you do have to are stuck franken boxing some things or maybe you sourced a bunch of stuff I, I remember distinctly a um something i got at target several years ago it was like my first year reselling and there I, I ended up buying like 20 of them or something like that and 
I found a box in a trash can outside of the cafe behind my school that perfectly fit it. And they had tons of these boxes. Like every few days, they'd be throwing out like four or five more of these boxes. So I'd pick them up because I knew this item fit in there. And I didn't have a, a, a eBay box that it would fit in. So that ended up being a way to do it. And so you may get to a place where, hey, shipping prices are going up. It might cost you the cost of boxes might be going up and you might be at a place where time and you're selling enough stuff that, Hey, it's still worth just buying, you know, 40 packs or 25 packs of these boxes, pre-box from Uline or whatever. However, you also might be at a place where you say, got to swallow your pride a little bit and ask for, Hey, does anybody have bubble? Like if you end up getting bubble, if you end up getting those air pillows, or if you end up getting any uh, boxes from Amazon, just send them my way. I'll, I'll take them from you. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It can save you a lot of money. And we might be moving to a time where if shipping prices are going up, it might be worth it saving a little bit on those boxes each time if you can get enough of them for free without the hassle. Now, if you're spending hours to source boxes and it's not worth the amount of money of just buying the boxes, then you got to take that into consideration. But even how you ship with the items and where you're sourcing the shipping supplies could become more crucial. Yeah, no, I think it will be. I I don't see shipping prices going down. I, I, I'm even anticipating that the holiday price bump will be permanent. A lot of times that's the way it works. I think that's what people don't realize is when prices go up, they usually don't come back down. Um, when whether it's, Hey, Netflix is going up by a certain price or your, your cell phone bill is going up or gas prices have gone up. Now gas prices fluctuate more than most other prices on things. But when you get comfortable at a new high, then even if it drops from that new high, or you're happy about that. And it's still, you know, a dollar more than it was this time last year. People forget about those things and they almost never go back down to where they were. Like you, you don't that that doesn't tend to happen. Restaurant prices. You realize like I just went out to eat the other day and I'm like, man, like prices on everything have gone up and I'm not going to see these sandwich prices go down. Right. Like they're not these places are not going to print new menus with lower prices. Um just like the, did you ever, you see it at the Denny's and they had the two, four, six. Does it even exist anymore? Doesn't exist anymore. Right. And, and those things, a lot of times they don't come back those because, the good days. because the, it's just not doable for them when it was. And when there's an, a reason that they can get rid of it, Hey, we're getting rid of this, I, these, this menu selection because of COVID, then it's easy for them to have an excuse to have it gone. And then it just never comes back. So you got to think about that when it comes to shipping prices too. And the next thing is like where you ship, how like thinking about where in the country you're willing to ship. Um, those things are going to become important too. In fact, I had we had a comment on YouTube and I thought it was uh, very insightful with the like idea of free shipping. Like they don't do free shipping. And depending on where you're located in the country, it might be worth it for you to just do calculated shipping, knowing that, hey, the, my calculated shipping prices are going to be really high for certain parts of the country but maybe two thirds of the country I'm able to ship to at very reasonable prices. Mm -hmm. And so if, if I'm only getting two thirds of the sales, cause I'm not selling to California, I'm not selling to Florida, I'm not selling to this certain region that would cost me more based on where I'm located, then that might be something to take into consideration too, is that um, instead of just doing free shipping across the board, you could kind of have your yours to be set up where it's, it is calculated and recognizing that you're just cutting off a portion of the country for your sales, but that might be okay. Like 70, 80% of your sales might not be coming from those locations anyways. And so you just got to take that into consideration that, Hey, right now it's just easier for me to kind of do things that are going to be regional uh, and sell to a market that's a little bit closer to me uh, in order to try and compensate the crazy shipping prices. Yeah. And, and I, I would say to counter that, you know, if people want it, they'll pay for it. Right. But the thing is, what are you selling? 
right? That's what I think it depends on. Now, on the opposite end of that, I would say it's non-negotiable anymore whether you sell globally or not. Yeah, that's important. I, I think, I know that doesn't go with our theme here of being selective. It does. Be selective. Widening your selection. Go everywhere. Go everywhere. Because here's the thing. You may sell on Poshmark, but Poshmark does not go international. Mercari does not go international. Okay. Uh, Depop, all the, maybe Depop, I don't think it does. Okay. So if you're like saying, hey, you know, I'm only selling on this platform, you are losing a lot of money, a lot of money. And right now with, and again, we're not eBay shows. eBay isn't paying us. eBay hasn't invited us to a podcast or anything. I don't think we've been super nice to eBay lately. Uh, but with eBay's new international shipping, the fact that the, now they can go to 200 plus countries, the fact that now they're going to have new hubs. Okay. So it's not, you're going to just be shipping to Kentucky. The fact that now they are, as far as returns go, they're going to return. They're going to refund. You get to keep the sale. It would not, it would be so detrimental to your business and to your bottom line to not do global shipping. And if you're wondering, I had a question on Instagram, like, is this something automatic? It is automatic. You don't have to enroll. You don't have to do anything unless you have not shipped internationally, then you have to enroll. But if you're already doing global shipping or eBay standard international delivery, it'll automatically roll you over. But I don't think it's an option. I get people all the time. They're like, oh, I don't want to ship overseas because the returns is like, no, no, no. That's not even on the table anymore. I get people all the time and they go, there's scammers over there. Doesn't matter. Who cares? None of that matters. What matters is the fact that now you're going to have 160 plus million people that you could sell to. It's probably more now because they opened it to more countries. And, and here's the thing. Not every country is necessarily in a bad economic place as let's say where you're at the United States or the UK. I mean, you got parts of the middle East. If things open up there that are doing pretty well, you have other nations that are doing well. Now, globally things are interesting, but not everybody. And again, if you have something that people want, I, I get all the time. I get individuals uh, that want some of my toys that they can't buy in Europe and they'll buy them for me. And I just had somebody buy a Leapster thing. It cost $60 and they paid, uh, what did they pay? They paid $117 for shipping. Wow. Okay. And to them, didn't matter. It, yep. Didn't matter. It was, it was what they wanted. So definitely would ship globally. All right. Hey, it, it, a lot of these things that you're hearing and that we're discussing, a lot of, a lot of great information is coming through on our discord. Now our discord is part of our Patreon where if you know, you want to support uh pure as a podcast uh, and it's because of all the listener support that we've been able to get to episode 322. There's this bonus that you get. And the bonus is to be part of the discord. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people just, you know, they just go on the discord. They're not, they don't comment. They don't, you know, say anything, but they're lurking, right? They're, they're getting information and, and maybe that's you. Maybe you don't want to interact. That's okay. Still, you can support us. Go to Pierce, uh, go to the link below, patreon.com slash Pierce of Podcast for $5.55 a month, about 18 cents a day. Uh, it's, it, Less than a penny an hour. It's such a... You, it's, don't, you don't need to do the 18 it's cents such a, a day. A guarantee, and, you know, people make this guarantee, like, guarantee you'll make your money back, you know, in a few days. And uh, I can't make any guarantees, but I can tell you chances are pretty likely that the 555 is going to go a long way. So, and over the year, what is that? Like, Twelve dollars and I don't know what it is. It it's it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's more than sixty dollars. But anyways, it's worth it to you. Go to go over to our Patreon, help us out. 
Uh, and you know, we have been consistent. Mike talks about this all the time. Like we're still pumping out episodes. We're going to be having ep- episodes uh, come out over this, uh, Christmas time into the new year. So definitely appreciate your support, your support. Go to patreon.com slash Pierce podcast. All right. If you haven't been following us for uh Pierce podcast on all social media, also follow us on Twitter, uh, Pierce cast. I do want to do more on Twitter. I'm just waiting to see. We are going to get blue check Mark. Have they brought it back? I don't know. He, he I don't pulled, know if it's worth it. To, now honestly. you're saying it's not worth it. I mean, I was being kind of like silly about getting. I think it'd be one. cool. I think it'd be cool. I mean, dollars. Yeah, but but then is it like I mean you're 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 paying eight dollars to like feel super to be special, with the cool kids, but like <laughs> everybody's a cool kid now, so it's not really that. That's true. But anyways, I think we're you're gonna be able to do more content uh, over on Twitter. Also, you can uh, give us a call 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. or shoot us an email at purespodcast at gmail dot com. That's purespodcast at gmail dot com. And as always, if you haven't seen us on YouTube, come on over to YouTube, uh, subscribe to our channel, and hit that bell notification to be notified whenever anything drops. Uh, we always have those Monday minisodes you may be missing on if you're only listening to the podcast. And also smash that like button. As always, grateful for all the iTunes reviews. I have not looked at one in a while, but they always help us out. And the reason they help us out is because the more people review it, the better the reviews, the higher we end up on the algorithm. And uh, just grateful to all of you that have taken the time, not only to just review us, but to also put in why you listened. Because I really do believe that helps people go, you know what? I want to check out Pure Soul Podcast. So I wanted to share a couple of the most recent. We always always like doing this just to see uh, what people are thinking. Good and bad. Good and bad. Uh, so uh, let's see. The last two here we're going to. This is from uh, Steve Tobel. Okay, says the best, gave us a five star, said, I've learned more from this podcast in the five years I spent in college. Oh, oh man. As educated, we that should breaks, be, that, that we should be charging soul. college tuition at that at that level. Uh, no, but honestly, wow. like, uh, that's that's uh, as an educator. I mean, you said it hurts your soul, but man, I'm telling you right now um, may not be the time. I mean, there are certain fields and careers that, you know, you need it. Uh, but uh, there's there's a lot of fields and jobs you can get into and. Reselling is one of them where you're going to learn a lot more hands-on doing the thing and listening to podcasts than, than you will if you were to go get a degree. So See, I'm good. such a believer in college. Yeah, like, I think kids should still go to college. So, anyways, yeah. it, you just... Is it, it, would it be but appropriate major, to say, okay, boomer, at that? Sh- sure, whatever, whatever, <laughs> even though I'm Gen X. All right. So, this one is another interesting one. This is from No More Poor. Uh, it said, listen equals make money. Started listening in October 2022, and in less than a month, my sourcing and, and got easier, and my selling is quicker. Seriously, worth a listen. The free content has put money in my pocket. No jokes, no frills. We don't, no, oh, okay, saying no jokes. Okay, I don't think we don't joke. We joke. Just help paying bills. Nice stuff. So check it Thank out. Thank you guys. Appreciate that. And honestly, like those are the things that uh, that keep us going too. So I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't want to read that one. <laughs> What is the deal? And you leave us a three stars. Anyways, go check out our reviews if you want to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People listen in interesting spaces to our podcast. There we go. Anyways, thank you to all for your support. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready yeah. to discuss some major, major hustles? of? Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. All right. So our first one. This comes from Greg, not me. 
Okay. <laughs> so our first one comes from Greg, IG handle at Van Halen 314. Uh, found some discontinued soap in a local bulk buy. Nice. So, I mean, we, we learned a lot about like beauty products, especially discontinued stuff. Mm-hmm. People have scents or um, certain formulas they really like, they believe in, and they're willing to pay up for that. Uh, so saw one of the bars of soap sold for $20. So uh, he ended up paying $10 for 20 bars. It's a killer deal. 50 cents a bar. Listed on eBay and sold a lot of 20 dial triple refined bars, fresh cut <laughs> blossoms for $400. Holy smokes. That's so just from crazy. $20 to $400. And it's soap. 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 It's soap, man. That's it. That's what I love about recycling. You know what I mean? It's like some people sell hats and some people sell soap. Yeah. Right. And, I, you know, we had thrifty travel. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's been a while. It's been about two years. But, you know, she would always go to other countries and find all the discontinued stuff and make it killing. So check out the interview. All right. Thank you, Greg. That that was. And by the way, Greg's like, I don't know. That's like his fourth hustle of the week. So he, that guy is still killing it. All right. This comes from uh Kevin, IG handle, deer underscore run underscore depot. Went to a local library sale last week to advertise antique books for sale. Antique books were listed high at Amazon prices, but decided to keep looking. Came across a cardboard box under the table labeled guitar magazines. Did some research and saw some for $10 to $20 each. Took the magazines home and saw on Terapeak that issues one and two recently sold for $300. It's pretty crazy. By the way, Therapy has two years of data now. Yeah, I saw that. Isn't that pretty wild? So free tip there. All right. Uh, Listed uh, his magazine. So he had the same issues, one and two, uh, for the same price on eBay. Listed three and four also. And within an hour, a buyer message if they could work out a deal. So Kevin paid $5 for the box, right? About 30 magazines. Sold four magazines of fretboard journal, 2005, 2006. I would have never have looked at that magazine. Fretboard journal, 2005, 2006 for $500 plus ship and still has 25 issues left. Nice. That's just wild. That's killer. That's crazy. Yeah. I've got some magazines. I've got my death pile. I need to get listed. But yeah, you can. You just never know. You never know. All right. So our next one comes from Doreen uh, from our Discord. So someone in the Discord mentioned Martha Stewart cookie cutters. It's one of the nice things about the Discord. People give little bolos and things they bought and sold. So again, it's just that extra being exposed to things that are valuable. You never know what you're going to find. So anyways, Doreen came across uh, a set of these Martha Stewart cookie cutters at an estate sale for $4. She listed them on eBay and sold within 48 hours for full asking price. And it was a set of Martha Stewart Winterbird Copper Cookie Cutters sold for $300. So wild. It's crazy. We got soap and cookie cutters and random fretboard magazines. It's it's insane. It is insane. (laughs) So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Doreen, Kevin, and Greg for sharing your hustle of the week. All right. What's your uh, hustle of the week? So minus... I don't want to say it was a gamble, but it, it was kind of, it was, it was a risk. Like I don't, I don't typically, I know this whole episode about being selective and you're like, Oh, I just gambled on something. So one of the things I've, I don't think I've ever mentioned on the podcast before, one of my like minor hobbies, I'm not like super obsessed and like a connoisseur, but I'm kind of into uh, colognes and fragrances and um, I've got a little collection. I, I, yeah. A, I always learn something new. Yeah, on this So podcast. I've got, I've got a little collection of, of colognes and I occasionally follow and watch some YouTube videos of people reviewing. And about this time last year, I heard uh, about this cologne that started to get some like, so, so just like the YouTube, um, or the eBay market has like the reseller 
people who, who talk on YouTube. And there's like, they're, yeah, they're, there's a whole fragrance world. Yeah, there's, I've seen there's a fragrance world. Yeah. And there are certain people who talk about things and kind of just like in reselling, like when one or two people review something, all of a sudden everyone in the community is reviewing it. And if it gets really good reviews from these YouTubers and all of a sudden the popularity shoots up and I started noticing a lot of people talking about uh, the specific one. I, I got a couple of different ones that the price has really gone up on. Uh, but one of them was a cologne called Rasasi Hawass, and it's it's a really good smelling cologne. I really like it. And so I was like, worst case scenario, I was able to source them pretty cheap. Um, I was like, worst case scenario, I've got a lifetime supply or I can give them away as gifts, whatever. Um, but at the time that I was buying them, it was like $35. Rasasi Hawass now is going for anywhere from the high 60s up to the 80s on eBay and on Amazon. And you cannot get it cheaper than that. Oh. And And the hype is still there. And that's one of the things that I like about reselling is I've learned to watch for hype on certain things. And that's not the only fragrance. There's other fragrances that I found over you know the last year where it's like, all right, there's there's starting to be some movement in this, this category. And a lot of times it is nothing but the YouTubers who are influential or the influencers on Instagram or TikTok who are moving the prices. Mm. But these, these fragrance houses that realize like, wait a minute, this scent of ours is selling out. It's going crazy. And we know how Amazon works. A lot of times it's third-party sellers selling these things. The same thing with eBay. Um, people will buy them up. And so resellers are driving the price up because influencers are talking about it a lot. And then the higher the price goes and the harder it is to get, people are willing to pay more because they're like, oh man, this price, it used to be $35. Now they're going for 75 bucks for a bottle. And people are still talking about how great it is. I better buy them now. Right, because what if the price keeps going yeah, up on these? Yeah. And so, um, anyways, watching this price go up and realizing, okay, Christmas time is a great time. It's a gift that people do. So it's hustle of the week because I took a little bit of a gamble on it. Um, I, I didn't buy so many bottles that it, I like would have bankrupted myself if they wouldn't have sold. Uh, but it's it's a good thing to know that it, it paid off. And I'm sure our listeners have have similar stories of different things that they follow. But that's just a um, a, a tip for you. Whatever things you're interested in, follow the influencers. Because they're going to drive prices on a lot of things. Meaning in that niche, not in, the in that niche. World. No, 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 not in the niche, <laughs> not, not in the reselling world. But follow the influencers in that world, whatever it is. It could be candles. It could be, it could be sports equipment. It could be whatever it is. Like follow the influencers in that because new products will come out when they review them. They start talking about them a lot. Of, sometimes it's paid reviews, and so companies are smart, so they know to pay the influencers to drive prices up on things. Uh, but if you see, like, wait a minute, there's a huge hype in this community for this item. It's not a bad idea if you can source them because if you can source them at, at at a decent price, sometimes it's things you can get secondhand, whatever it is, uh, you're, you're going to be able to do pretty well on them. Yeah. And just remember on eBay, two things. When you sell cologne or perfume, you have to send a parcel. Is that what it's called? Parcel USPS. And then you can't sell used. Right. Right. And so and now people get away get you away can. with it you, you you can you can tell the cans um now certain houses like for instance i think you talked about um who who was the wasn't chanel was it chanel one of them was oh. doing cease and desist for people doing decant but there's some people who that's what they do they 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 decant their own so what that means is they take uh, a cologne and they take like oh yeah don't vials. do that like make samples i mean people do it and and they do fine on ebay yeah, with but it that yeah i know but that those are the people that get sued so I mean, maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's, I mean, I could be wrong. Let me know. I mean, I haven't looked up. I, I don't do that. So I'm not sure, but, um, I, I don't know if, if, if you, if you're selling it as a decant, as a sample, I don't know if you would get sued for that. Yeah. I mean, I used to sell, I sold some Chanel. I, maybe I shouldn't say this. 
<laughs> years ago, years ago, I mean, like six years ago, I didn't know. And I sold uh, some Chanel number no. five used for like over a hundred bucks. I remember those days, but that, that was a different time. Is, it, is there a rule that you can't sell used? Yeah. Oh, huh. yeah, he can't. Mm-hmm. On eBay. They changed it. It was like a year and a half ago. So there we go. What's your, uh, uh so I was going to share one. I, I'm just going to share two just because. So, uh, I shared this already on Instagram, but I got to tell you, Yeti is probably the most sought after cooler I've ever heard of in my life. It's crazy. It has like, a following. Like growing up, no one was like, oh, got to get that igloo. Got to get that Coleman, you know, yeah. like, but Yeti's it's just wild. And so what cracks me up is, okay, so I, I shared this on Instagram in the stories and I posted about it, but it's one of those Saturdays where I woke up and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be anything great. And I only had really one, one stop that made the morning. And it was this one stop, this guy was selling, Oh, I shared this. I think I shared this on the podcast already where somebody had sold me a, uh, it was a 24 roadie coolers. It's like an aqua color. So it's a discontinued color. And he had, he had 30 bucks on it and I offered him 25. No, I offered him 20 and he's like, uh, how about 25? And I was like, sure. And it was like, this was a gamble because I had no reception, but I knew that Yetis were hot. And sure enough, I remember if you recapping the story, I got in my car and I see him get on his phone right away. And I'm thinking, I wonder if this guy is looking up his Yeti right now mm. and regretting things. So I, I just took off and I listened and it was in pretty great condition and it sold within a month. I paid $25 and it sold for $350 plus ship. Now, Yetis are interesting. I uh, There's the hopper ones. They're like those cooler bags. Yep. The other day I, I was sourcing online and I saw somebody had one for like 20 bucks and it was like discolored or something. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And the next day I go to look at the same one. It's gone, but I see the same picture and somebody's selling it for 130. So I listen, they are I'm going right now. I'm like sourcing right now while we're talking. I'm like, you can't, like, there's even like the lunch ones, like two two hundred and fifty dollars for a one that fits twelve can't just we have a Yeti too, by the way. Like a like holder for like something i don't know you know what i'm talking about yeah we gotta list that thing all right now here's my uh here's my score and, and the reason this was a week i wanted to share is it was about persistence now if i told the story let me know mike but i don't think i've told the story so i realized i know i did did i share mad magazines no i shared something from mad that yeah. sold but not magazines correct I mean, I think you mentioned Mad Magazines when you were talking about that as being like a hot market. Yeah. Well, it's not like a hot market, but there are collectors. There's collectors. So I was on, uh, there was a local deal and I was going through and somebody said that they had a collection of their dad's Mad Magazines and all of them were like sealed in plastic. I don't know that there was second class mail. Did you know there's second class mail? I guess it's with magazines. Anyways, these Mad Magazines were in second class mail and he had about like 90 magazines and said, hey, you know, I'm willing to work out a deal. If if you really are a collector, I'm willing to give these away for free. And so I emailed them and I said, hey, by the way, I love Mad Magazine. And I do. I read it in the 90s. I remember after school, I'd, I'd catch the bus. I'd go to the public library. And I don't know why, but I would just hang out at the public library and read Mad Magazine for like an hour. And I did this probably for about like four or five months. I think I was in fourth grade or something. And 
So I, ever since then, I've kind of had, you know, I, I like reading Mad Magazine. And so I don't, I haven't read much as an adult <laughs> or at all, but uh, there was this time when I was a kid. So I shared with him my story and ghosted me. Like never got a response. I thought for sure I'd be the guy that he called. Don't hear anything. Three weeks later, I see the ad again. I message. I'm like, hey, by the way, just letting you know, if you're looking to offload those, I'm available. Crickets. One month later. So now it's been three months. I message. I'm like, hey, listen, I saw these here. You know, I, you know, I, it seems that no one's picked them up. I can, I can pick them up today. Sure enough, I get an email back. And he had a listen for like $20 now. <laughs> so I, I did the awkward thing. So he, he takes the box and he puts it in my car. I'm like, all right, cool. So you're good with me just uh, taking these? And he looked at me. He's like, uh, nah, bro, I had $20 on there. I'm like, all right, fine. And I give him the 20 bucks. But <laughs> he said, he, he, said he'd be, he said he'd be willing to give them away for free. Now, here's the thing. I've already sold about six of them. And I've sold, I sold one that had like a... Macho Man, if you caught our Instagram stories, I shared this one. I had Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. It's from like 1989. It's sealed in plastic and that one sold for 30. I sold another Home Alone one uh, from 19, I think 89 or whatever, whenever it came out for another 15 bucks. I sold another one that had Mike Tyson on it for $20. I sold another one uh, that had like, I don't know, something heavy metal in the front for another 20 bucks. So I've probably made in total, I can't remember all of them, probably $160 from that $20 purchase. And I still have about 80 magazines left. My question is, what does this have to do with Yeti? No, it's my did, second hustle did, of the week. You get two hustles of the week? Yeah, What's up I with told that? You. You, you're busy on your phone. I guess so. So anyways, I wanted to share that because it's a, it's always great. Like the guy, like, like a Greg that picked up the bar of soap as part of a bulk buy is when you can pick up something for super cheap and then let it surprise you, or even from Kevin who had those fretboard magazines, yeah. and then you can just keep making that money and keep making that money. And I still got a list about, you know, what I say, 80. I got, I got a ton of them still to list. So anyways, that is my hustle of the week. Nice. I, I heard a, co- a comedian real quick um, say, uh, it was pretty funny on Instagram or something. He says, uh, I saw a guy with a really weird hat the other day. It said, I'm an alcoholic. I like to drink outdoors and I want everybody to know it. So well, it didn't actually say that. It just said Yeti, but I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> you know what? That, that's very, somebody told me that Yetis are currency in the South. Hmm. Like people trade Yetis. I don't know. I don't know. That's, it's, a, it's a thing, I guess. It's okay. But uh, I do like Yetis though. All right. Hey, if you haven't yet uh, signed up for whatnot, that's a great place to source. Talking about being selective. I think you can really be selective on whatnot. So on whatnot, you have a lot of resellers that are trying to offload inventory and it's already been pre-selected. Now, obviously a lot of them may be trying to sell stuff that they can't sell themselves, but it's a great opportunity to be really selective, get things for really cheap. And you can get it even cheaper. If you go through our link below, you'll get that $15 credit and you'll be able to source a couple of things. And you'll be able to make profit right away. So if you haven't yet, go to our whatnot link below. Get that $15 credit. Helps us out. Helps you out. Brings profit for you. And uh, definitely whatnot is a place. You got to be selective, but you can be selective in a good way. All right. So I think this one is right now something that you got to be really selective about. As far as, you know, what what is your availability? How much time do you have? And I, I really do think... I'm not just saying myself. I remember I had mentioned six months. I don't know where things are going to go, but 
right now you have to value your time because if you're not making sure that you're taking care of a certain amount of listings and a certain amount of time, you're not making sure you're doing your packing a certain amount of time, you may be better off just getting a job, mm. right? Because, because right now, you know, the dollar is losing value, right? The market isn't as high as, as it used to be. So you want to make sure you're selective in your sourcing and your shipping, but you really want to make sure that you're spending that time consistently listing and shipping. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'm really big on reports and having numbers and knowing, because I mean, I, I know I used to kind of make fun of you for this, you know, when it would come to Q4 as you should of, of, do you really even know what your costs are on per good when, when you're traveling as much as you are and it, every time you have to eat out and all like once you start adding in those things and if you really recognize, okay, what's my, what's my hourly rage? And it's easy to say like, Hey, I sold this one thing. I bought, you know, whatever it is. I bought those bars of soap and I sold it for 400. That's easy money. I made a ton, but, but those don't come in all the time. And so you do need to understand like if, if you're making $50 an hour, you're making $25 an hour, you're making more, you're making a little less it might definitely be worth it to resell. And if you're, if you're doing it just as a side hustle, but once you recognize that the amount of time you're putting in, maybe if sourcing is getting harder for you because things are harder and you have to be selective like this and, or whatever it is, shipping costs have gone up so much or things are, are making cutting into your profit every area. And you don't know that number. You might actually only be working for $7 an hour. Yeah. It can get pretty bad. And so I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm not going to say I'm not guilty of that. Yeah, so you really want to be careful with that. Be careful with your time. There's times when you have to make ends meet. And so you're hustling super hard for those things, but you're, you're right. Sometimes just getting a, a part-time job, maybe a better side hustle or, or doing something else on the side that brings in some money for a time. If you're in a season where it's like, Hey, in this season with the amount of time or experience or my availability to source. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's wise to take a good look at where you're at and, and make, you know, good decisions on those things. Uh, but to recognize that, hey, if my if my um, if I end up getting to the point where I'm working for seven dollars an hour, maybe I don't need to give this up. Seven dollars. But hour. maybe I need to recognize that I'm going to make less money this month, but I'm only going to be listing and sourcing and selling the things that are making it so that I'm making fifty dollars an hour. So it's actually worth it, even if I'm making half what I could make, but I'm not killing myself and and mm -hmm. basically working in a sweatshop in order to barely make ends meet. And so you got to be realistic about those things. And the only way you're going to know, I mean, you can get to the point where like, oh my gosh, I'm working so much harder than I used to work and I'm barely making any money. So you can have a general idea, but it's a good thing to actually sit down and actually reflect, take an hour, figure out what your costs are, figure out how much you're making and adjust accordingly. And so, yeah, being, being selective with your time, it's, it's crucial, especially as we go into these holiday seasons. Uh, it, it's, you can end up working yourself to the bone for barely any profit as opposed to Hey, maybe I just need to relax on this a little bit, find another side source, or just recognize if this is a side hustle and it's not your full-time job, that my side hustle is not going to be bringing in as much for a little while. And that's going to be okay because if I'm working for seven or $10 an hour, I'd rather just spend the time with my family at that point. Yeah, I agree. Now, this is the other side that you also have to realize now you're going to have to work a lot harder to make the same amount of money. And that's the thing I've been saying for like six months. Or right now, and I'll share this in our update episode, you know, I've sold, you know, Q4 money is coming in, but I'm working two or three times harder to make the same amount of money I was making last year. Right. So you're going to have to be aware of that. So you really have to be regimented uh, with your time. And the last one here is uh, what you're willing to accept as far as your margins. Okay. So I think that's going to be super important. That's going to allow you to keep in mind when you're sourcing 
how much you're willing to pay for things, right? So if you're doing everything we had mentioned before, right, you're making the lowest possible deals, you know, you're sourcing things, you know, that you're going to list, you're not going to have death piles. The other key thing is you're going to have, I truly believe in this economy, it's going to be deals upon deals upon deals. Right. I mentioned this on the other podcast uh, about a week ago that there are some people that are doing retail arbitrage and even at crazy 70% discount on items that they've sourced, they're still not able to make a profit. Like people aren't willing to pay that amount. So if you keep your costs low, you'll be safe, but you got to be willing to kind of, you know, <laughs> console yourself and go, you know, I'm going to accept these offers. I'm going to be willing to take less money because the key thing right now, and I hate saying this is if you're unable to thrive, you at least need to be able to survive. And this is kind of the place we're at. Do you want to add something to that? That sounded really, really bad. No, that's good. I think that's I think it's true. And the thing is, everybody's in a different place when it comes to what you're selling and what you're experiencing. Some people, you might be in a market right now where you've never done better and money is just flowing. And so, you know, take that into consideration. And you might be at a place where things are really hard. And I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's part of normal life to go into seasons of, like you said, survive. It's okay. I mean, nobody wants to live feast or famine. Uh, and if you are in that situation where you're going through and reselling, I think a lot of times is feast or famine. And if you're doing a feast or famine thing, you just have to be wise. And when you're in the seasons of feast, because it's going to come again, and you may even have a season where the, you you had a, one of the biggest hauls of your life. And so for the next six months, you're just rolling in the dough. Be be thoughtful of that. Be thinking, how can I take the money that I'm making now in this feast time and be preparing for the famine? How can I use this money to make sure I've got the right inventory? I've got money in a savings account for my business. Um, I've got the capital that I need in case a good opportunity comes up. And if I go into a season where there's two or three months where I'm in survival mode, I've got that extra cash that's buffer and is going to help me get through this. And to recognize what really sets apart the people who are going to be successful. Because I honestly think one of the benefits, there's going to be some people jumping into reselling right now because they're just trying to make ends meet. But then there's going to be a lot of resellers who are like, I'm out. I can't do this. It's I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to struggle through and fight through this. And going back to my earlier point, you know, be be honest with yourself. I'm not advocating anybody quit or advocating for anybody to stay in it if it's crushing you. But if you can fight through this, it's going to be it's almost like a purifying event in, in the life of resellers. And coming out of the other side of this, those who fought through and survived and learned something and adapted, you're going to be in a much better place the next time we're in a feast season. And so be selective, understand that those margins are going to be important. It, you've talked in the past and we've talked that sometimes it's important to accept deals, even if the deals are low, if you got to make ends meet, you're in survival mode. Hey, I bought this item for 20 bucks. I was hoping to get 250 for it and I'm I'm selling it for 100 and maybe a year from now I could get that 250 but I need the money today because my electricity bill is due. Sometimes you have to do that and other times you got to realize hey I I can't be letting these things go for this price because I I've got to make ends meet and I know I can make more it's got a high sell through rate so you do have to be realistic. I mean we're all about being real and so you've got to be realistic with yourself and it's not often that we take time to actually self reflect not always point the blame at other people or situations and say what can I do because you can't control you know it going back to that like stoic mentality. You can't control everything. You can't control stuff happening around you. So the only thing you can do is control what you can control. 
and be honest about those things. Don't point the finger, fix the things you can fix. And if you can't fix it, maybe you've been given a bad hand. Maybe the margins are really bad. Maybe you can't source the things you're wanting to source, but you can't point the finger at anybody else. You've got to control what you can control. And if you can get through this, and again, some of you are like, what are you talking about? Things are great. But if you're like I mean, many of us, Q4, but yes, yeah, if you're like many of us and it's like this Q4 is so much less than I was anticipating. If you were hoping that, hey, I've had a rough year, but I knew Q4 was going to come around and save the day and maybe it hasn't. But if you can fight through this, you can come out the other side and be in a much better place. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'd say Q four hasn't been hasn't been great for me. Hasn't been great for many. But at the same time, we got to keep it real. All right. And with that being said, make sure be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.